This podcast is brought to you by Not Just Another Detox, your two-week startup to change your lifestyle and habits. This is brought to you by mgherbs.com.au. To find out more, go to the website and click on Not Just Another Detox and start your change today. My name is Melissa Gearing and I am the Naked Naturopath. Thanks for listening in. Mel from The Naked Naturopath. I just wanted to put a little disclaimer on this one because uh, Ben from the Apothecary Kitchen is a wonderful, lovely, beautiful man, but he's very quietly spoken. So you may need to turn it up when he's speaking and turn it down when it sounds like I'm yelling, but it's so worth it. So please listen in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Naked Naturopath. Today I have an awesome guest. I'm super excited to have him on the podcast. If you're from Newcastle, you will know this little place very well. Um, we've got Ben from the Apothecary Kitchen, uh, previously Three Bean, Three Bean Espresso. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, I'm really excited because I was just saying to my husband before he left, food's my thing, uh, you know, and I just released a cookbook and I'm not a chef, but I love food and I love using it as medicine and what you guys are doing is so exciting to me to walk in and feel the vibe of the food love and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what I thought is, if if there's anyone who hasn't been in yet, we could start by you kind of giving us an introduction to what you are doing and what the cafe is all about and how how it kind of come about. I guess if you're happy to do that, yeah. To begin. Yeah. Um, so we have a currently vegetable only cafe where we serve lots of vegetable dishes and grains. Um, we use virtually exclusively um, local produce, um, and when when we when we bring things from out of the area, there is a fairly strict criteria to adhere to before we, we, we'll allow it on the menu. And that, that criteria probably doesn't extend to just because we like it. it is, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but no, other than that, it's it's very casual. Um, we like people to feel comfortable in any shape or form and, and try not to have too much pretension. Yeah, it is a very casual cafe. Um, you know, when you walk in, you just get good vibes and a really good feeling that you're kind of at home because you're surrounded by the food mm. itself. Um, so some of your philosophies behind the cafe are uh, sustainable, local, fresh, definitely. You've got all that beautiful food out all the time that you use every day. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Um, so, uh, I guess, um, you know, the, our previous life as Three Bean, we were um, a fairly traditional cafe. We tried our best to be local, and tried our best to be seasonal, and um, we found that um, by having that format, we couldn't really do what we wanted to do. And um, so, by, I guess, taking away the table service, making it much less conventional, not having a menu as such, forcing the customer to engage with us at the kitchen rather than the waiter at the table. Um, it kind of uh, educated the waiters about food. And I guess they're no longer waiters, they're more part of the kitchen. And um, part of that was just getting the food all up in everyone's face and yeah. um, sharing the journey with people. Because you do, you go to the counter, you see you guys prep prepping 
all the time, all the beautiful food, and you've got the selection of food laid out in front of you that is on display, you know, and on uh, for sale for the day, which changes every day, which I think is a really unique characteristic as well. Yeah, it's not the same thing all the time, which is awesome, which is why we go there all the time. <laughs> so the great thing about the Apothecary Kitchen is it is just up the road from um, our Hamilton Clinic. So we can go there for lunch every day. And it's really easy because you don't have to really think about what you're going to order. It's all going to be super nutritious, super fresh, um, you know, vibrant, and you can just go and see what's on offer. How does that work from a cafe um, perspective, you know, as a business? Um, you know, is it a good, was it a good business decision for you guys to just serve a certain thing each day? Um, yeah, it has been a good business decision. Um, our old format uh, was no longer working and hadn't been financially viable for quite some time. And so uh, any experiment was a good experiment. Yeah. But, um, I guess the one that we felt most passionate about was uh, the best one to choose. But, um, but yeah, I think um, certainly it's a little bit, um, it's easier to, to serve people, there's less weight. Um, those who like it know that they can walk in and eat and then walk out and, you know, there's not a, it's not fast food, but it's, uh, mm. you know, you don't have that sort of worry about how long you're going before you're seen and then how long before you cook for. And, whether you've got time to get back to your next appointment. Because even if you sit down and eat, it's so quick, you know, because it's all there, it's all prepped, mm. and you can just, yeah, choose what you want. I find it really exciting that, um, you know, every time I go up there, I'm going to have something different to eat, mm. and it's all really yummy and beautiful. <laughs> like, I never have to worry, you know, whereas you go to another cafe and you're kind of like, am I going to have the same thing again, you know, like, what or will I try something different, but it might not be any good. You can see all the food. It's all there. It's all beautiful. And, mm. yeah, you can see what you guys are doing as well. Yeah. So you talked about being a vego um, cafe, mm. or always a controversy. <laughs> um, I'm not vegetarian, but I still eat there, like, you know, once a week or whenever I can. Um, why did you decide to go vegetarian, and how did that come about? Um, we had a... Some people in Newcastle might remember our false start when we reopened and after renovating and we did have meat on the menu and we, we, weren't, we traded for a week like that before we closed again and then reopened a few days later. But um, the difficulty of um, serving the food the way we wanted to and being happy with it as well as um, it, the amount of meat we were using, it was quite disgusting. And mm. uh, I found it disgusting. That, um, and it was difficult to get quality meat um, and to serve it in, um, I guess, a respectful way that we'd become accustomed to doing in that previous menu. And um, so we went through everything we didn't feel passionate about with a red pen. And so in regards to, you know, meat, anything that was we didn't know who grew it. It was off the menu. Yeah. Um, anything that we didn't have um, some kind of an, a regional or emotional affiliation was off the menu. And at the end of all our Red Crosses, we um, looked at it and realised it was a vegetarian menu. Yeah. And um, so we decided to open with that format until, well, indefinitely, but 
not not with any strict rules, but certainly um, any any journey around meat would, would have to have um, a, a nice story. Fit your philosophy. Fit the philosophy. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. Like I said, I'm not vegetarian, but I can still thoroughly enjoy your lunches. I do not believe you need meat at every single meal, and I think it's a really ethical and sustainable um, practice for a cafe and. Um, you know, f for a business as well. Because, like I said, not everybody needs to eat meat for every meal and you guys are making some of the tastiest food, you know, that I've ever had. Mm. So you're doing really, you know, you're doing all of it justice and half, I think half the people who go wouldn't even know. Yeah, I think um, there's certainly, anyone with an open mind is usually pretty happy. Yeah, because it's not called the vegetarian cafe. No. <laughs> so you're not scaring meat eaters away. We've been cautious, we, we, although it's a... It's a word we use um, when we're on the back foot. Yeah. When someone's, you know, they just going, no, we're vegetarian. And they're like, oh, well, that's why I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't even notice. There's so many options on the menu. I'd like, you know, you mm. just, I wouldn't even notice. Yeah. yeah. It's certainly um, an interesting journey to um, make sure you're sustaining people for two out of three meals in the day. Yes. With, with vegetables only. So, mm. um, yeah, that was that was a, probably the most interesting journey. Bit of a learning curve. Yeah, like we sort of knew the the fundamentals of it, but the, to um, you know to sort of do it and make it interesting and make people feel full and make sure they're having protein and mm. all those things. Is, um, you certainly have to think. Yes. Which is probably not a bad thing. So you have to start teaming your food a little bit differently, which is something that I um, mm. teach people. So you guys use a lot of seeds, yeah. nuts. Yeah. Um, you are using a bit of um, dairy products as well? Um, yeah, we do use a small amount of dairy. Mm -hmm. um, I guess our, you know, we use a little bit of mozzarella mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, we make ricotta, as I mentioned. Yeah, and, um, beautiful. We make our own yogurt with heirloom cultures and that, yeah, that's lovely. about it. And you've got eggs, of course. Yep, um, special eggs. Special eggs? Where are you getting eggs from? Um, they come from Little Hill Farm, which is in Mount Vincent. Um, they're, I, the, the sort of paddock to plate or local only thing yeah, when it comes to eggs is um, you, you, you need to make a commitment to um, to a grower and become you become quite connected because um, you have chickens alive laying for you essentially mm. and so you can't just sort of say I don't need eggs this week or yeah. I don't want to deal with you anymore or someone else is doing it cheaper or better. You, you, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a serious relationship. And You've got a responsibility to that farmer then. We do. Yeah, yes. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, something I talk to my clients about is going to talk to their farmers at the farmer's markets. I know you get a lot of your stuff from there, <coughs> um, getting to know them, getting to know what they do and, and you know, yeah. how they um, treat their animals or grow their veggies or you know, yeah. what they're doing to um, help, you know, as an individual, help you align yourself with the philosophies that you want to eat by. So we refer to it as mindful eating um, yeah. a lot of the time. So I think that's fantastic. I think it's beautiful. And then you've got that symbiotic relationship. Yeah. You're a farmer. Mm. That's really cool. And are you in a transition at the moment? You mentioned that you might bring meat back. Um. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the, I guess the way I look at meat and 
and I weigh, the way I want the business to look at me is that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm under no obligation to provide meat. Mm. And um, I think that's, a, you know, if it's, if it's not good and not available, or we've run out, then yeah. you know, it's, you know, we still have lentils and chickpeas. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about lentils and We make and our own tofu now. Beautiful. And, you know, it's, it's, and so the idea that I sort of, you know, a conventional menu where, you know, well, for us it's always been we wake up in the morning and think about what we're going to cook. But um, So, yeah, if I wake up in the morning, I, I'm not going to go, okay, so I must have a chicken, I must have a fish, I must have a beef, and now, yeah. and now what for vegetarians? Um, I guess we, um, we spend a lot of time thinking about the idea of a Mediterranean diet mm -hmm. and maybe that um, as Australians anyway we've we might have kind of picked the eyes out of what Mediterranean is but not yeah. really understood <laughs> the philosophy behind it Definitely. And so, um, so yeah uh, any use of meat would sort of conform to the idea of well I have a chicken how far can I make it go mm. not I have a chicken who would like the breast yeah Sort of be along, like my philosophy is, uh, you know, uh, nose to tail, you know, when I'm when we're looking at animals, um, and I talk about that in my new book, the the gut blueprint, um, and so using all of the animal, spreading that animal, so eating small amounts of the flesh with loads of plant matter, um, which is kind of what you're saying, and then you also want to be flexible with that. So there may be chicken today, but there may not. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, the the currently the only chicken, if I, well, the only chicken I eat is a good way to look at it. Is um, it's very expensive for one, as it should be. And, yeah. Um, it's um, it's only available once a fortnight. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, without using a freezer or cryovac cooking and low temperature pasteurization and all the things really as cooks we should probably be not doing mm -hmm. leave that to the manufacturers um i don't see how i could serve it more than four or five days or out of a fortnight and mm -hmm. so and yet um if i if i were to serve it it um i would do that i would celebrate those four or five days of the fortnight and um not everybody would get a breast yeah in fact, no one would get a whole breast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so how to work that into a into a menu in our style is, um, you know, it's what we think about mm. a lot. And um, we, we're currently looking at, um, you know, the sustainability of fishing and, and mm -hmm. um, you know, how best to, I guess, um, educate our customer what it's like to eat fish sustainably and how what sort of dishes that they might be and the likelihood that it's going to be a pan-seared fillet of salmon is pretty low. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're looking at like small oily fish sardines and things like that? Yeah, even, even sort of probably less well-known okay. um, fish than that. Um, I, mean, I, I, I really love sardines and but um, I did the idea of sort of profiling for health is something we try to avoid. You know, creating a market for um, for a for a fish above all other fish. Yeah. And sort of trying, more trying to serve in balance and so 
there may happen to be side dates. Yeah. It's, it's really so, interesting because yeah. there's loads of people in my industry who say that we should not be eating seafood. We shouldn't be taking anything <coughs> from our oceans, um, you know, because it's just so unsustainable. But then also we refuse to eat farmed fish because of what they're fed. So it leaves very little option and, you know, mm. to eat seafood. Yeah. And the other thing is um, fish oil. You know, like I talk at all my talks about how ridiculously unsustainable and disgusting fish oil is. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah and how much fish is needed to get that amount of oil into each one of those capsules um, is just insane. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. I, I think um, the risk of getting into dangerous territory, but um, I, I feel like participating somewhat in, a, in an, an ethical model of fishing as a customer um, is probably the only way that I could see to to support um, f fish on a menu mm. ethically, and you know, with that you would have to be able to acknowledge that some of the fish that you're eating um, are endangered mm -hmm. or on the not best to eat. But once they've come up on a line. You know, someone's going to eat it. Yeah. But if it's come up on a line as opposed to in a net, then mm -hmm. that, that's you know, probably a step in the right direction. Definitely. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how... That, that's that's what we read about and think about it. Yeah. Moment, but we don't do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I yeah. guess you've been maintaining those philosophies of like small family kind of business maybe, like fisherman-wise? Yeah, actually... Um, it would have to be lion call. Mm -hmm. um, there is a um, a movement of um, fishermen that, that that kill and capture in a very ethical way. Um, mm -hmm. They 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 don't um, necessarily fish only for the lesser fish. They they fish for everything. But um, I guess their argument is is that if everyone fished lion caught, fish would be more expensive. Yes. And we'd value it more. And, yes. You know, Certainly not trawlers. We wouldn't be going into the supermarket and looking at the, like, 10-metre-long fish section, <laughs> that you know, of all the beautiful um, wasted, I guess, fish, you know, on ice in there and God knows how much they're selling and, you know, um, like actually selling and not wasting because, yeah. you know, and how long they can keep them and all that kind of stuff. I think there's a mm. lot of – I saw this beautiful, huge whole snapper at Coles the other day and I just thought, no one's going to buy that here, like – no. Oh, such a waste. Yeah, no, it looks good, but no. <laughs> <laughs> such a shame. Um, you mentioned tofu. That's really exciting to me. Um, mm -hmm. How are you doing it? Can I, can I know the secrets? Yeah, yeah. I just got on <laughs> and read about it. Um, so we make the, we soak the beans, mm -hmm. puree the beans, strain the puree, heat the milk mm -hmm. to make it into milk. And then um, separate it with nagari. And cool. So that soaking process—that's your fermentation of that bean. It's probably more an activation, but, mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah. You put anything else in with it, or just the water? Just the water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh, so we—I—I I, I, last time I did it, I strained the water from the beans mm -hmm. and then added fresh water to yep. it. It's a bit of a journey at the moment. Tastes good. Yeah, yeah, cool. I saw that you had a tofu and mushroom mm. on something, like a bit of toast or something the other day. And I was like, oh, this looks so good. Mm. Loving yeah. it. 
Um, the other thing that you're doing, which really excites me, as you can tell, I get, <laughs> I'm a massive foodie, um, is using some of the weeds. Uh, so you had the purslane yeah. Yeah, um, the other day. Uh, what are you doing with that? So last week... We just made a salad with it, and mm -hmm. this week we're making a salad with it again. Yeah, <laughs> so it's fresh. <laughs> it's fresh. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it comes from Morpeth, um, grows around the edge of um, Village Farm, mm -hmm. and Chris the farmer um, sent me a message one day saying, "Can you use purslane?" And I said, "I don't know. I haven't Why not? Before, but send it over. Yeah. And, we'll use it. and what does it taste like? Um, I think it's um, like a." It's got a bit of a crunch. Mm -hmm. It's a succulent, mm -hmm. um, and it has a, just a slight lemoniness to it. Yeah. Okay. And, um, it's a bit of a citrus. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And We've got it with yogurt and garlic on it. Beautiful. So, mm. Yeah, lovely. Mm. And um, I mentioned to you, you might start using some some of the like Australian or those Australian herbal weeds that we still use as medicine, like dandelion mm. and um, thistle. Yeah. Yeah. So we can look out for the menu there. Yes. Yes. For sure and use all of the plant matter around us and, you know, eat for where we grew up um, and eat for where we, you know, raised our families and stuff like that. So it's really exciting to me that we might go back to that, like old-fashioned eating. Yeah. That's um, certainly where we... Oh, I had an interesting situation today. and A couple of um, older people letting me know that they are a bit old-fashioned and... Mm -hmm. um, I only wanted cucumber or tomato. And, yeah, and <laughs> not I, a fancy salad. <laughs> I sort of stood on my tongue for a minute and thought, well, they're probably 15 years younger than my grandmother, mm -hmm. who's dead now, and she ate weeds. And yeah. She, so it's this funny generation that um, in the middle there that has really n not been through a depression and yes. not, not um, lived on a farm and they've kind of... The, the beginning of um, industrial food, yes. I guess. Um, yeah, so I, um, I didn't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> you're so right because, um, like, my nan and pop, for instance, are very scared of, like, a fancy salad, you know, yeah. even though it's just plant-based and it's mm. real food and it's true food and, um, you know, it's something that, yeah, like, to me, that is that is food, but to them it's you buy a loaf of bread and you buy a packet of cake like cake and cookies and mm. stuff like that. It's all processed and it's all sugar and they both have type 2 diabetes because yeah. of that. So you're totally right. There's that huge gap in the generations, even of the elderly, between, you know, I have a client who's 91 mm. and he's amazing and he'll always say to me, oh, yeah, thistle, we used to chew that out on the farm, you know. Like if, <laughs> if you had a sore tummy or this or that or you just grab some fennel seeds <clears throat> or, you know, whatever it might be and they were just old remedies mm. that they used. But... My nan and pop are almost a little bit like, we're not going to, we're not eating those weeds, like you know. And when I bring them rocket, oh, why are you eating that weed? You know, like <laughs> well, this is a very fancy weed. You can get this served in, you know, restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? Mm. That move back to old-fashioned food, um, you like, you definitely can't miss the trend of fermented food at the moment, which yeah. is a thousand-year-old practice. Mm. Um, and that's something that you guys are really uh, gung-ho with. You walk into your beautiful space and you've got all your bags of fermented beetroot and carrots and sauerkraut and all of those amazing things. How did that come about for you? Like, why did you guys decide to do that? So we, um, 
it's about five years ago we started fermenting and um, I um, the first thing was kombucha um, but shortly after most other things followed but it was it was definitely a about the journey through older style cooking, um, I'm pretty sure I didn't know that it was good for you when we started yeah. doing it. But um, it was much more to looking at the the history of of food. And, um, yeah. So you did it more for a flavour palette. Um, yeah. Initially, it was more the adventure, and then seeing where the flavour would fit. Um, then the idea that you know, you can incorporate it into many dishes and that would have a health benefit was probably the next move along. And um, I guess currently now we're very much interested in um, making sure that we're um, protecting the, the integrity of the bacteria from a particular farm into a dish. And so, um, so when we... When we know, like, well, okay, let's go back three years, we would have bought in cabbage, especially to make sauerkraut. And because we were making sauerkraut, it wouldn't be any special cabbage, it would have just been cabbage. Mm -hmm. and the special cabbage would go onto a dish. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, well, now we don't buy in cabbage, but the special cabbage now goes into sauerkraut. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's really to make sure that those bacteria that we've grown are indigenous to the farm that they came from and the idea that you know, some of these farms haven't been sprayed for 20 years mm. and so is a real we believe a, a diverse sort of culture of bacteria that, that we're growing and that's that's what we're trying to do that's awesome mm. that's really exciting and tell me a bit about your kombucha journey um, so again about five years ago um, somebody gave me a little scoby yeah <laughs> this big and um we used to play with it in a bucket under the coffee machine and <laughs> you know, make kombucha for ourselves. <laughs> then um, I think maybe three or four years ago we put it on the menu and everybody hated it. Because mm -hmm. um, you're very pre-trend, mm. <laughs> you know, you're too early with yeah. the whole fermented thing five years ago. Yeah. Um, but now um, now we, yeah, it's our, there were, it would have been two years ago we decided that we were no longer going to buy in drinks mm -hmm. and uh, we would only serve what we made and great um so that's the ginger beer and the kombucha and the lady who does our cold press juices she's really nice and works through the night and lives in the suburbs and so we decided that we'll make an exception she was for her. On. yeah well it's it's still with you in your yeah. philosophies that local beautiful produce and hers are all organic and yeah. cold pressed and lovely yeah. um you mentioned chemical-free farms. Yes. Is organic something that fits in there? Is that important um, for all of your veggies and fruit? It's it's not a prerequisite. Yep. Um, to be organic, it's it's a prerequisite to be chemical-free. Great, because yeah. there is a lot of controversy about that organic, um, yeah. what do you call it, certification, yeah. um, which is quite expensive um, to get, I guess. So you just are uh, talking to your farmers. Yeah, we've just yeah. got to know them and we know who is and who isn't. Yeah, great. I think yeah. that's awesome because I think that a lot of um, the general public are looking for that word, organic. Yeah. Which doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be A, organic, because you can have the word organic as a marketing mm. word. Or um, B, that, yeah, it is going to be completely chemical free or whatever it might be. And the other thing is a lot of the time it's only big companies that can afford that certification, that little, you know, um, yeah 
thing that they do, that little... I think it alienates a lot of beautiful things on our back door. Yeah. um, Yeah, I'm certainly more than happy with the farmers that supply us. Yeah. I've been to all their farms and I feel very comfortable that um, I don't need to buy organic to get that. I think that's awesome. I think it's something that... Um, now, like the listeners really can take on board and go to the farmers markets and talk to the farmers and and not just be looking for those organic labels. Yeah, yeah. There, there are a couple of certified organic farmers at mm-hmm. the markets, and and they're they're great. Yeah, um, I'm not dissing them. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but there are a few more that aren't, and they're great too. And, yes. Um, and actually, they all get along really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I. I certainly believe in being chemical-free farming. Yeah. yeah. So there's an argument with uh, chemical-free or organic um, not being any different nutritionally was the biggest argument against it. So why would you pay more? It's, there's no more nutrition and rah, rah, rah. But especially if you're making fermented food, what you're looking for with chemical-free is that you're not ingesting or fermenting all of the sprays, the pesticides, the herbicides, all that kind of stuff. So... To me, that argument was kind of mute because what does it matter if it's the same nutrition? I'm looking for something that's not in there, you know? Yeah, and I think um, just the, like, that, that, the range of bacteria that, or good bacteria is going to be much more diverse if, if they're not spraying. Mm, yeah. And um, I'm not a scientist, can I? I'm, well, I'm, yeah. It's just like taking an antibiotic. You are going to change the um, flora in your gut. You're going to kill off a lot of that flora. And we know now that it's really, really difficult to recolonize that gut once you've killed a family Mm. um, and you may never get it back. And the best way to get it back is not through a probiotic, but it's through fermented food Mm. Um, because probiotics are great while you take them, but we haven't really worked out how to properly recolonize once it's dead. So it's like giving your plant an antibiotic. And then you may be left with half of the amount of good bacteria that was originally on the on the outside of that beautiful cabbage. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's very interesting. Um, and, well, I love how you hang it around, you know. We used to hide it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because <laughs> it looks gross. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> well, people like it, know it does now. Look gross. Yeah, <laughs> I like it too. I like going to the bags and smell them sometimes because yeah. they're beautiful. Um, but I love that that's, you know, when I walk in, you just, you can feel the love of the food and you can sit with the pumpkins and you can sit with the tomatoes and you can just see what, like that, that, that is what's created the meal that you've got in front of you. It's real food and it's, it's truly um, so super nutritious um, in that way. Um, what, what kind of made you start putting it out? Was it the space issue or was it just that you wanted to share with people? Um. Oh, some like I mean the tomatoes. I do, I don't like them to go in the fridge, mm-hmm. so maybe I'll stick them out. Um, I did read that on Facebook. Do you think it changes the flavour? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does. It's, even if you wait till they're ripe and then put them in the fridge, it's not not the same. I'd rather let them burst and yeah, turn them into sauce than put them in the fridge. Great. Yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, some of it's ripening. Some of it's, it's not certainly not a space thing, but it's a lot of it. It's just um, it's just wanting to connect everyone to it um, mm. there's, there's sort of a traditional dining experience there's just so many barriers between the, the kitchen and the farm or the, the diner and the farm and mm-hmm. um, yeah 
You're removing them. I'm removing them. That's awesome. I took my mum the other day and we sat at the pumpkin table. And there was a bunch of squashes and pumpkins and stuff there. And she's like, what is all this stuff? What is it? And she's touching it, you know. And I just thought, this is great for my mum because she's really um, a processed food mm. generation. Uh, she's a wheat bix and, you know, <laughs> like sweetened yogurt and like mm. to get her to eat Greek yogurt's like, you know, asking her to sing opera. Mm. So I just thought it was really good for her and she was, you know, she had her nose a bit out of joint, it's a bit weird and, and she started eating the food and that day you had, um, that I actually didn't even read what they were, but they were like these little um, cakes, like little patties, uh, lentily kind of patties, tasted kind of cumin-y. They were oh, I think it might have been amazing. Quinoa. Yeah. yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. And she was just so impressed. Like yeah, right. she just loved it, you know. And then I told her that she thought they were fish. She thought they were salmon cakes. And I was like, no, no, they're just veggies, mom. And she was like, oh, my, you know, loving it. And that was just so exciting for me because, you know, like she bought my cookbook but hasn't opened it because it's all too weird for her. Yeah. Um, and she wants to go back, yeah, right. you know. And so I think that's just really beautiful that I can share my food love through mm. your cafe, like, as well. Awesome. I'm glad she liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and she's picky. <laughs> Very picky. Yeah. Yeah, so I think just having all that food around just changes the whole atmosphere, definitely. Mm. Um, I mentioned going back to old-fashioned food, and um, for me that's really using food as more than I'm just going to put this in my mouth to keep mm. going. Mm. It's using food as medicine and mm. using food as um, every single thing that we put in our mouth is supporting us and uh, communicating with ourselves and you know, providing uh, vitamins and, and minerals and nutrients. Like, that's what makes our body work. Mm. And that's what keeps us healthy. Um, does that food as medicine philosophy, has that come in to what you do? Um, I guess, um, like, we, we try not to prescribe dishes for, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, this is not the influenza salad and thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the... We've put the layers of, um, you know, looking at old-fashioned style cooking. You know, the roots of vinegar, for instance, would, would definitely be inside of vinegar. And, um, or, you know, homegrown wine vinegars that are alive. And so we use those vinegars and there would be, you know, one of the first missing links in, you know, probiotics and mm -hmm. um, health and medicine. And so... You know, there's that. Then we look at the salt and make sure that we use well, usually we use the Celtic salt, but sometimes the Himalayan salt. And again, then there's this sort of layer of minerals that aren't in normal salt mm. or even the high quality sea salts. Mm -hmm. um, and so having that as a baseline, then you have the vegetables, which are the nutrients and, yeah. and then the ferments and um, other than, once you've got all of those on a plate you're really only just looking for some small amounts of protein whether yeah. it be chickpeas or lentils or See, something else and um, we do try to make a, certainly a plate of salad stand alone without meat as a meal yeah, yeah. you're layering all that nutrition mm. um, like I refer to it as teeming food so you're teeming food from the macronutrient you know yeah um, you've got carbs, you've got protein, you've got fat, mm. um, but you're also teeming food from all of the micronutrient tables, you know, with all those vitamins and minerals um, throughout that diverse range of 
vegetables as well because mm. you're not just serving pumpkin today mm. you know like one vegetable you're serving a, a really diverse range which means that you're going to get a, a really nice um melody of nutrients from all of that mm. which is beautiful yeah one is um Well, that's key to good health, isn't it? And when I when when I say food as medicine, um, definitely, you know, uh, my book is food as medicine, and it's called Simply Balanced because it's just balanced food. It's balanced and it's teamed well. Mm. So on every plate, you have something from the macronutrients, and you have as many micronutrients in there as you can. Mm. And it's not calorie counting, um, you know, and and you guys aren't looking to put people on a diet or anything like that. It's giving super nutrition, which provides incredible health benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more than lunch. That's what it is. Yeah. It's more than just a dinner or a lunch or, you know, mm. a breakfast. It's, um, it's so much more. Um, I talked to you before we started uh, about wastage because I just think... Um, you know, I always look at things from a business perspective um, and I think that what you're doing is just such a good business model for a cafe um, to work off, but you wouldn't have much wastage? Not a great deal, no. Um, any the any we do have goes to... Um, there's a composting guy that takes it and grows vegetables out of it. Yeah, awesome. So you're even recycling yeah. the waste that you do have. Yeah, but... Um, no, it's it's always a there's always a balance to 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 managing wastage, whether it be a conventional restaurant or not. But um, yeah, we we don't yeah like the fact that we don't cook to order anymore yeah is um is really key to giving us time to look at um. Well, sorry, you know, time focused, you know, the ability to focus on a task for 10 minutes is a sort of unheard of mm. prior to us taking away a la carte cooking. And um, so, you know, you can, you know, take a tomato, uh, we'll take wrong time, tomato, not wrong, soft tomatoes and turn them into sauce. You can take heated sauce and turn it into chutney. You can, there's so many layers, but you don't, you don't get that time in an a la carte setting. Yes. And if you do, you're charging too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have too many staff, but um, yeah. So, so that that's sort of how we we approach. Because you, you would just need so much less um, variety available, right? In terms of having a like, I guess it's a set menu. It's kind of like a set menu every day that changes. Mm. Um, but you don't have to have everything on a la carte menu available in case somebody orders it at any time. Yeah, that's that's mm. certainly correct. Yeah, we don't have so we, we can so we more we more look for a balance of roasted and cut and green and brown. Yeah. Just colours. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And so when when we have all of that, or grains as well, some with grains, some without and um, so yeah, if, if for one, some reason we have surplus or one, you've still got three days to, you know, before it starts to be yeah. of concern. So you just back off and mm. keep the vegetables in the whole state. And when you buy from the farmers markets, so I reckon you've got an easier fortnight, more shelf life yes. than, than from the supermarket. And so, but yeah, we did. It's it's not an issue wastage for us. Yeah, cool. Mm. That's so good. And like one of the things I always say to my clients is just leave 
the skin on your vegetables, please. <laughs> and you guys do that. So it saves you time, mm -hmm. peeling, and it provides so much more nutrition because all of the good stuff is in the skin mm. of a vegetable. Um, I just picture your big cuts of pumpkin with their skin on, roasted, you know, with their seeds and everything in there. Mm. Um, we waste so much time taking the skin and the seeds off things. And like even broccoli, um, one of my clients, you know, was really shocked that I asked to eat the broccoli stems. Mm. You know, all of that, all of the goodness for the liver is in the stems. Yeah. You know, so why wouldn't we eat that? Like, we, we've just been kind of culturally taught to cut off all of those scrappy bits. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't understand where all that came yeah. from. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We just cut it all off and we just eat, like, what we think is the good bit. But, yeah, and actually that broccoli stem is so tasty. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> so, and it makes a fantastic salad. Like, if you grate that up or something, so good. So you have... um. I think you, you just have such awesome uh, philosophies. Um, one in particular that really is kind of at my heart is sustainability mm. and that for plant-based food is the best argument in terms of, um, you know, eating that way and yeah. I guess eating less meat. I'll never not eat meat. I'm a big, you know, meat fan and I need it to live. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I, sustainability is just so important now and you've talked a little bit about it, but is that one of your key objectives as well? Yeah, no, I, I, I've certainly um, felt that we're, prior to us changing, we were always window dressing, um, and I wouldn't like to speak for anyone else, but that's what I feel. Yeah. Of um, a la carte dining, is, 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 it's very difficult to, um, to do it sustainably. Yeah. Um, and affordably. Mm -hmm, definitely, yeah. Um, and I feel like I don't have dirty secrets anymore. Yeah. And, well, um, everyone can see what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, like I, um, I just think as a restaurateur, like it's it's our job to to set the, the tone for dining, and um, I think it's broken. So. Mm. So you have a responsibility to the food and. And like you said, to provide a connection between the patron and the food itself and the farmer and mm. all of that stuff that has been broken, definitely over mm. the last 30 years, we've been moved further and further away from our food. Um, and most of it's just coming up the freeway and trucks and yeah. refrigerators. And well, and it's still really close, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but we just, um, we get it from the supermarket and whatever's easiest at the moment or what we've been taught is easiest. Mm. Um, one thing that I love is when... I just go in and check out your wall of spices and herbs. Yeah. Obviously, it's very exciting to me as a herbalist. Mm -hmm. um, the key thing I think that you do so well is you take a plain vegetable and you team it with those beautiful flavors. Yeah. And tradition that's traditional um, eating as well. You know, that's old-fashioned cooking and eating. You would take a plain vegetable and make it delicious mm -hmm. by adding herbs and spices. And something um, actually Lucy Ellis, the hypnotherapist here, said to me was... I would, I'd make salmon cakes because I've got salmon cakes in as a recipe. I would make salmon cakes, but I would never think to add like those spices in, and it just made such a difference. And her kids liked them, and they never eat salmon cakes before, and it just changes the whole flavor profile mm. um, of the food. I guess I don't really have a question for you, but what do you like? What's your philosophy? I guess behind. I mean, um, as a chef, you're always going to use spices, but yeah, like I mean, 
So I've, I've, I have a few firm opinions on this. Yeah, great. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Love a firm opinion. Um, one of the most interesting things about cooking vegetarian is that it seemed to be really natural to flow between um, food cultures, whereas when you're using meat, you tend to start with a region in mind and then you're bound by that region's um, spices and, mm. and it's fairly limiting. But, um, yeah, like to make an Indian spiced fish cake, for instance, even though we don't serve fish, but it, it's... Um, yeah, like that, that sort of natural fritters that are spiced with Indian flavours and, and that opens up a whole lot of spices and sometimes, you know, like at the moment everything we're cooking is really truly Mediterranean because of the tomatoes and eggplants are so mm. awesome. And um, But um, probably the, I mean, you're about to have, or maybe... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could say. Um, <laughs> about to have a baby. Yes. Have a baby. <laughs> um, so you know, you'll embark on that journey of what your child will and won't eat. And um, I've found spices to be um, one of the biggest lures for the children. In not so much when it's in the dish, but the act of cooking and the spices mm. coming out of the kitchen at home and. Um, you know, they start running in, what are you doing? What's what? So the smells, the aromas, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, that, that's, that really gets them going and they're ready for dinner. Yeah. Um, that's why we use the spices too. And what, like from a herbal perspective, we have those um, digestive aids, you know, like start, start the appetite, stop the appetite, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I didn't, I mean, I don't know it from that perspective but it, it's certainly been interesting to watch the, the excitement and even you know again sort of banging on about the a la carte um now i feel like it's broken <laughs> um you know i've i've moved from plating dishes for the kids to throwing the, the you know the, the stew pot in the middle of the table yeah. and a pile of bread and a couple of salads and letting them serve themselves and it's Funnily enough, they eat more and more varied things when they can grab it and put it on the plate and see it yeah. in its in its um, sort of connected to the salad that it came from, as opposed to the yeah, you've already done it out, yeah, um, and and that's um, yeah, again had a big that's big, beautiful big change from the way our children eat, and I kind of yeah, that I guess that's also what we're trying to in our journey in the cafes to kind of people seeing it how it should yeah. be yeah the mm. connection mm. culturally i mean that's a huge thing um uh you know putting those big pots out in the middle of a, a big table like in i don't know i was watching a show um in, i think it was scandinavia and they just had these huge family dinners you know mm. and they just put it all out and everyone just walks around and grabs bits and pieces and mm. um it's kind of like chopping the tail off the vegetables you know mm. you've you've chopped a part of the food out because you've served it up and it's all isolated on a plate yeah. and i mean it gives your kids more autonomy mm. it gives them the power their power over food mm. for themselves you know and a choice which is beautiful for mm. kids they love that mm. it's really cool yeah and you know as soon as you start cooking up some garlic yeah, so you get hungry. Garlic, turmeric, and cumin. Yeah, to get things really going there. You get hungry. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's all I have for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No. Yeah. Cool. Um, hopefully, 
this interesting photo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's been such a good chat. And I'm going to put a link to, would you prefer your Facebook page or? Yeah. Yep. So I'll put a link to Ben's Facebook page. And if you live in Newcastle and you haven't been yet, you're insane. So you need to get there um, just down the road from the clinic. So it's on the uh, Beaumont Street um, up near the exchange end. Um, but I'll put a link so it's got all the details there. Oh, I wanted to ask you, are you teaching fermentation? It's very soon. Cool. Great. Maybe we could get together. I've got a workshop on uh, the 22nd of February for fermenting. Oh, yeah. I've had one last year and had 40 people there. So it was really good. People want to learn how to do this at home for themselves, which is um, uh, naturopathically, that's a huge philosophy is to teach the community how to heal themselves at home. So I think that's a really beautiful thing. Mm. Um, so as soon as we know about that, I can put something up for the Facebook for these guys as well on my Facebook. Yeah, Very exciting. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. No, um, really enjoyed chatting to you, as you can tell from my excited voice. And um, yeah, we'll see you at the cafe. Thank you.